0: International Horse College's motto is People Safety and Horse Welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Hey, it's Glennis here. Just to let you know that even though the quality in this audio isn't first rate, the information certainly is. Please excuse the audio quality and focus on the education and what you'll learn in this interview. Today I'd like to introduce Anne Smith, Anne's a dressage rider, trainer and coach who's been riding and competing up to Grand Prix. How are you today, Anne? I'm well, thank you, Glennis. Great. Anne, we're going to start you off with your favourite quote. It could be an inspirational quote or quote that you use often when you're teaching.
1: It's one I heard in Strictly Ballroom many years ago. A life lived in fear is a life half-lived. So basically, just give it a go, you know, when you're riding, even in general life philosophy. Just, yeah, give it a go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good one. It is. It's something that I think a lot of our guests live by, you know, that they do give it a go and they do get that extra bravery, extra confidence to just, yeah, just give it a go. All right. Now, how's that helped you? Thinking about, you know, when did you first hear it? When did you have to make a decision where this has come into play?
1: Yeah, like I said, just, um, over in general, I guess, it's just making decisions when you're riding and when you're on the horse, off the horse. At the end of the day, it's always just like, well, if I don't give it a go, I'm not going to know mm, how it's going to work out, whether it's to enter a competition, whether you know, even in training, do I need a bit more bend or do I need a bit more forward? Yep. Simple things like that.
0: Okay. Okay, good, good. And just tell us how you have started with horses.
1: Yeah, I was nine and mm-hmm. I became friends with a girl that had horses. I didn't have anything to do with horses before then. And uh, we became good friends and her mum was the chief riding instructor at the local pony club. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, we became good friends. Yeah, so I guess my biggest job was then to convince my parents that I wanted a pony and needed a pony. So um, after convincing and uh, Yeah, I eventually got a pony and, you know, stuck with it, (laughs) basically. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Now, did you stick with it when you first left school or did you have horses and worked another job? How did that work? Did you always know that you wanted to become a coach and do something a bit more professional with horses?
1: Yeah, I did. But, um, you know, obviously the odds aren't always good to um, do that. But I did. I did did, did homeschooling from Year 9 because Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to, pursue like riding the horses, training horses and so I did that and went on obviously into my BA yeah, coaching certificates, you know, just after there in general and went on from there basically but I did have other jobs in between, you know, I a gymnastics coach for a while and um, even a photographer, so Santa photographs, you know, just to, just to make do I guess and eventually, you know, everything built up so I could do this full time I guess.
0: Mm. Yeah, and I think other people do, you know, still have that in the back of their mind. This is what I want to do. I do have to work this other job. Now I do have to go to work. I do have to do this. But my passion is, you know, that long-term goal of being a professional. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also too, just about the qualifications. I think that, you know, if people think about being a professional. The qualifications are so important.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely um, going through the EA system. We yeah, are now a level two so specialists. I think mm-hmm. that's definitely helped with the yeah, foundation of the career path. For yep.
0: sure. good. So, yeah, good. All right. Now, just thinking if you're going to advise someone, you know, some of your students or someone who's going to ask you or think about yourself when you're first leaving school, sometimes you see people and you just go, Right, you will be really good working with horses, but there's others that you just think, No, I don't know. I don't think so. What what sort of core skills do you think people need to be able to work in the horse industry? First of all,
1: you know, um, you need a love and a passion for horses, and a lot of those people do have that. But you know, once it becomes a, a job or a profession, it is it's hard work. It's more than just love. You've actually, you know, you need some basic um, some business skills as well, and and a good knowledge for horsemanship as well as riding. I guess, like we mentioned about going on and. Getting those qualifications. But I would have to say, mostly, you need people skills. And I guess that's running any small business, but we all know what horse people are like, or, you know, people in general. And, you know, if you can get along with people and and kill the wide variety of people, then that's just really core
0: skill that you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a lot of people start working with horses, but not a lot go through and get to the stage where they're riding and competing Grand Prix. What do you think that you've had or what do you think other elite riders have that those starting off in the horse industry don't have and don't follow through with?
1: I guess, you know, as you start out and things grow, but it's support from family or other support networks that you have around. And then, of course, you know, you do have to prove yourself, I guess, in the competition arena and as well as as coaching, you know, obviously proves that, you know, your coach skills um, are valuable and people are improving their own skills through your coaching. So, yeah, it's something that grows, but um, I guess it's it's important, yeah, your support
0: network and, yeah. Mm, mm. You know, you're talking about your support network and people who've helped you and supported you and influenced you. Who in particular are those people in your life?
1: Well, I guess you can always say, you know, right from the start, your parents. I mean, that oh. was that was a big thing to even, you know, sort of let school when I was 17 and followed my dream of, you know, riding and competing and coaching mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And they definitely pushed me that I had to be qualified and follow those paths. So my parents and my family, you know, right from the start, and at this moment, it's my husband and I and mean, my children, you know, that are really supportive. And I guess, you know, you have instructors along the way and one of our local greats, Erica Taylor, you know, she's just talking to her. She's amazing. So I got to know her um, quite a bit as mm-hmm. well. And yep. uh, on an international level, when you watch the likes of, of you know, Charlotte and... Allegro, and you know, you know, it's all sort of support, isn't it? It's all, it gives you that goal and focus, and that
0: sort of thing. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What about horses who've influenced you? You've just retired your Grand Prix horse.
1: I have now, he has been my biggest influence. I yeah, I, I started him and then trained him all the way through. And
0: Okay, so what's his name? His name's Miracle,
1: and yeah, so I started him as a five year old, believe it or not. And you know, you know in the six years, he was training Grand Prix, so mm-hmm. uh, I guess. It just, yeah, so trainable um, right from the start. But, you know, all the, you learn something from every horse. Yes, you, yes. You know, yep. those hot thoroughbreds that you used to ride and, and you know, <laughs> <on the morning. laughs> yep. and yep. yeah, yeah, love the warm bloods now, obviously, and, and dressers. So.
0: Okay. And what about your proudest moment? What do you think that's going to be or has been?
1: I guess, as I mentioned, you know, it's not just one moment, but actually – starting a horse from the very start and then, you know, all the blood, sweat and tears that you put in all those years to actually train and then you make it and, you know, you have to have a Grand Prix horse. But So it's a continuous proud moment, I would have to say. But, yep. um It is It is definitely lovely to be competing at, you know, state and national championships and be recognised. But training at home of any horse really is great. But, yeah, definitely proud to have produced, you know, all by myself and, and that sort of
0: thing. But, mm, yeah. Mm, mm. All right. Now you've done a bit of freestyle, Anne. Can you, in your own words, just explain what a freestyle competition is?
1: Well, I guess it's a, it's dressed up to music, basically, and I think it it gives you a chance to show off you and your horse's talents and be expressive about it. And you know, I guess yeah, just put it. You can put a bit of your own personality into the test for the judges and the audience as well. Often, the audience you know likes to get into it. So. Um, yeah, you get to make it your own pen. yeah, choose your own music. So it is, it gets, it's like a showpiece, I guess, you can show off
0: yours. If someone comes to you, and, and this is for our listeners, you know, if they say, I'm thinking there's a, a freestyle competition coming up, I'd love to nominate, I don't even know where to start. What would you think? If you were going to go into a freestyle, where do you start? Do you pick the music? Do you, do you work out the test? You tell me.
1: Yeah, well, normally um, you know, a student came to me and said they wanted to do a freestyle, as at what level they wanted to ride to and, you know, all the directions are obviously online on the EA yeah, website so I find out what, what they have got to do. And I mean, first of all, I just ask, well, what music do you like and what do you think would suit your horse? You know, so I do normally start off, that, that creates their enthusiasm quite quickly as to, you know, what music that, you know, it has to work both ways. It has to suit the horse. They can't just pick something, you know, totally random but start chatting about that and then, you know, they'll like to do their test planning which is, which is fine obviously to the time that are restricted so and also finding how they can show off their skills at that level, you know, that degree of difficulty and the capability that they, they wish to choose too and then, you know, you get into the nitty-gritty of at a time again. And usually, I you know I encourage them to use a metronome and to count the you know footfalls of the
0: horse and that sort of thing or the beats
1: per I, minute. I'm going
0: to inter- interrupt you there, just for people who don't know what a metronome. If you can explain that.
1: Well, quite often you hear them on your phones even these days, mm-hmm. and it just does. It, you can sense the timing of the stride of your horse or the beat, you yep. know, and then you can it, just, it sort of makes a dip, 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 like a noise basically, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. you just, the time of your horse, you can actually count you know, the beat per minute. So then you want to find music with very similar timing, basically.
0: So really they've got to look at music for that particular horse. They can't come in and say, I think this will be wonderful, if they haven't actually used the metronome to work out if it's the same tempo for the horse and, and same temp- beat for the music. So, That's right. Yeah, yeah too much. I mean, yeah, they
1: could they choose some lovely music, but it's not going to go at all. I mean... Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty crazy with computer programming It programs, of course, on your computer. You can slow music down and quicken them as well. So there's a little bit of leeway, but, yes, yeah, the song wouldn't sound the same if it's got a really quick, you know, beat to it and you're <laughs> using it more. It wouldn't work. So, yep. so yeah, it's that real compromise with the music as to what the writer likes and what's
0: actually going to give their horse, space. Okay, no, that's good. That's That's good. All right, um, and then, sorry, and I interrupted you there. You talked about doing the test, doing the music. Keep going with how you're going to train your student about the freestyle.
1: Oh, well, I guess once here we've got the music and, and planning the test. As I said, it's just a matter of deciding on the degree of difficulty and how reliable is the horse to you know, produce certain movements at certain times and how close they're going to you know, put difficult movements together and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, once again, that's down to every individual combination anyway so um, okay so yeah it can be very simple or we can make it quite you know quite complicated
0: and then the competition what about is it a matter of just saying this is my music to play it because sometimes at big competitions do you advise that they halt at e or b and then drop their hand or you know who just if you can talk a bit more about the timing of the music should they time it
1: Yeah, normally, I mean, you've you've got some 20 seconds entry music. So, roughly, depending what pace you're entering, normally if you're at um, V or P and raise your hand Mm -hmm. there, you've got your 20 seconds to come around and enter at A and then, you know, halt somewhere on the centre line. Yeah, it does vary a bit, I guess, depending whether you're going to halt at D in the right at the beginning of the arena or you might end up halting up at G. so yeah, it does but as a general rule, I uh buy some, you know, you inter you know, hold new
0: vehicle and okay. raise your hand there. Mm. All right. No, that's that's good. All right. Now just going along, if you can put on your coach's cap and think about a common problem that you see with your riders, something that you might see again and again, something that you may have even seen a coach, another coach or another rider be, and you you know, you think oh, I could just fix that. I'd like to hear about a common dressage problem, but also how to fix it.
1: Okay, sit trot is um, a common problem, and riders really struggle with it. So, to um, practice that, I get the riders, you know, still on the horse, counting the beat of the trot, you know, two beat. And I explain that they've got their feet bones, and the horse is moving their hind legs left and right. As well. So, you know, when the, the horse's hind legs off the ground and their left seat bone dipping down, you know, they want to drop their left seat bone with the horse's hip and, and vice versa on the right. So, you know, I explain all the horse's back, you know, going each side as well as going forward. So I count them in a rhythm, with their hips, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. And they've got to sort of transfer that weight, you know, down into their heel as well. So just to develop a bit more feel in the sit trot and sitting, you know, into the horse's sit trot. And to keep relaxed instead of, you know, everyone get tense in the sit trot and trying to hold themselves in, you know, quite often. They just sit like a sack of potatoes for a little while and relax and feel that rhythm, that left-right rhythm with their seat bones, you know, down into those heels.
0: Yep, yep. All right. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, anyone that's had trouble with this sitting trot can listen to that and, um, you know, even just go back and listen to it a few times and go, right, and even visualize it the next time I go and sit on my horse. That's what I'm exactly what I'm going to do. Or else be listening to the interview while they're riding, you know, just so they can think of those tips and, and um, help them with their sitting trot. That's good. Oh, hang on a sec. Let me interrupt to let people know about the horse industry qualifications at onlinehorsecollege.com. If you have a look at the flexible options, there's online theory and the practical components can be completed by video or with a qualified expert in your area. That website again is onlinehorsecollege.com. Okay, thanks. Okay, is there um, a book that you've got that you would recommend for our listeners something that might have helped you helped you along your way and one that you can recommend to others I guess for um, obviously you
1: know my coaching certificates but as well as just general you know reading for an easy understanding we use the principles of writing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, for coaching and you know the official um, instruction handbook for the German and National Equestrian Federation so we we'll use that here as well I think it's just you know it's just good, basic sort of knowledge for everyone and um and a good foundation. So uh, yeah, I definitely recommend um, reading
0: that one. I think that's got to be our most popular recommended book, actually. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and and you know why I particularly like it. I like it because at a really basic level, it's got heaps of great stuff, right? But then, yes. as a coach, you can go back again and go, ah, oh, and get more out of it. You know, it's almost like you're just squeezing more information out of it as well. Yeah. And then, the, of course, there's the advanced principles um, to go on from there. But I think even just that principles of writing, it's it's something you use a te- as a textbook and you can just keep using it again and again and again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes.
1: Definitely keep preparing back to it. Mm, it's wonderful. Mm,
0: mm. All right, and have you got any young horses? What are you looking forward to?
1: I've um, got um, a young horse just started the six-year-old classes. So mm-hmm. we, I bred him he's, um, by Donna Boots, so I've taken him up to the level so far. As I said, this tank well, doing the six-year-old classes. Um, he is my he's 17'3", and I'm not so tall. So <laughs> <that's> a, <laughs> it's, um, it's a journey so far, and um, I actually am really enjoying training and riding him now. So I guess
0: to see how you know, I'm fairly confident that he's gonna go up through the levels. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the difference, how big was your other horse? a um, sixteen two. Okay, so going from sixteen two to seventeen three. How about the difference in, in riding? How you know, the just the application of the aids, the forward movement, the the turning, the bending, is is there a lot of difference? If you could just talk about um, that it'd be good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and they, um, certainly the movement is, is a lot different. I actually mm-hmm. have to be a lot stronger in my core, you know, to sit short a horse. I've been very lucky that you know, young horse is supple. and that's one of the things I really promote in my coaching as well, I guess. So like, he's actually turning I mean, he just he is big, like, you know, you feel like when you first start you're turning with that truck around the corner kind of the, the sort <laughs> arena, but um <laughs> He's getting better and easier and easier. So and I, I guess that is the other thing with big horses. They just take that bit longer to strengthen, you know. And I think, oh, big horse is strong. Well, they're actually not really. You know, uh-huh. they take a bit more adjusting and time for um, both the hocks and use themselves a bit
0: better. So, yeah. And then just to do with being stronger in your core, do you do any complementary exercise like yoga and Pilates or you just keep riding and, and um, use that to strengthen?
1: I don't go to necessarily um, classes to do those things, but I do. You know, I don't like bench sit ups and just. I do a lot of just general work around the property anyway, so I do keep for the fists, but um, I just do the basic exercises to keep strong through the core. But yep. um, yeah, highly recommend doing bloodies and yoga and that sort of thing because they are great.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. If you can sum up your philosophy, that'd be great. You know, just what, what we've talked about today. So sum up your philosophy so people have got something to take away with them and think about during the day.
1: I think confidence. You know, if if you're confident in what you're doing and the horse is confident in what you then doing, then you'll be successful. I think, um, you know, I follow the German running scale and and, you know, relaxation comes into that confidence. Rhythm comes into that confidence and it flows on, you know, you contact everything, it's confident. And I would encourage my writers to, you know, write up that same line thinking, basically, and uh, be very
0: confident in what they're doing. Mm, mm. And I think if you went back to the quote you used at the beginning, a life lived in fear is a life half lived, you know, sometimes it's the confidence to just expand your boundaries, you know, to expand yes. your boundaries into that almost difficult boundary but then as you become more confident in that you can just expand your boundaries a bit more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Take a big deep breath and go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how can people contact you?
1: I guess the easiest way is um, I've got a um a Facebook business page. Yes. And an it's dressage. So that's the easiest way and that's got my email and uh, phone number. Okay. Link to that anyway.
0: All right, yeah. so that's, um, the other thing is too that those contact details will be on the Horse Chat site, your page there, which will be horsechats.com slash Smith. Okay, all right. And it's been great talking to you today. I think the sitting trot exercises, hopefully people will be doing some visualization, improving their sitting trot. And, um the freestyle information you gave the listeners was really good as well. So that will give people the confidence to go on and do some freestyle. Yeah. Thanks very much for talking to us today. And i hopefully talk to you again sometime.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. I support, um, yeah, appreciate it. Okay.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.